Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Tech Talks. You're chopping it up with Chuck. I'm the editor-in-chief here with Cannabis and Tech Today. And this podcast is brought to you by our title sponsor, PolyScience. And we always bring you great guests. Today is no different. Uh, we are actually chatting today with Ryan Ratzloff, who is the founder and CEO of Ryan Labs out of Michigan. Did I get that right? You got it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and joining us today. Um, a lot of things happening in the industry. There's a, a event season is coming up. Um, awards are, are being handed out. And uh, before we dive into it, because I understand you guys won some awards and you guys are doing some big things up there. Do you mind telling the audience just a little bit about your background and, and uh, kind of what you did before you got into uh, into cannabis? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my background is rooted both in cannabis and uh, CPG. So um, Michigan born and raised, and I went to <clears throat> Western Michigan University um, where I started using cannabis pretty heavily. Also started uh, enrolled in the food marketing program at Western, which at the time was a unique program that they didn't have anywhere else in the, in the nation. Uh, Kellogg's basically funded the program. So we had free books, got great um, lessons from, uh, you know, role players in the industry to really learn in depth about what drove the food industry and marketing of food and how to sell consumer packaged goods. And I loved it. It worked out really well. I went to go work for Pepsi, spent 12 years at Pepsi. And, uh, you know, while I was at Pepsi doing uh, a myriad of different roles, uh, some of those roles weren't very challenging. And to use my time, I uh, started growing pot. And, um, you know, that really just took off. Um, it, at the same time that Michigan legalized it was when I got it in 08. And so there's a lot of cross-functional uh, relationships between, you know, selling cannabis um, and making cannabis products and CPG. It's all relatively the same in today's world. So as the cannabis market started to mature, um, a lot of the things that I learned at Pepsi and through Western Michigan's food marketing program um, you know, became evident that there was a lot of crossover that would, you know, really tie well together. You've got a, you've got a pretty impressive pedigree, you know, coming into, uh, coming into the industry, but you're also, you know, it sounds like you're also a real legit enthusiast and someone who has a passion for the plant and growing. Is that, uh, is that safe to say? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's how, that's why it started. We had family that, um, we were in medical need and also loved, loved the plant, my, my, you know, personally, um, so me and my father and a buddy of mine, we, we threw a couple thousand bucks in a spare bedroom to see what would happen Did tons of research. And, you know, it, it turned out to be really, really great product. Uh, and that just, you know, it was a side hustle and a passion thing and a, a, something we were able to do to support some family members and friends in need. Um, and as things continued to progress, um, and we started seeing what people were doing in Denver and in California, we became really interested in that concentrates, you know, were just becoming a thing at that time. And we, I remember we tried our first live resin product from Denver and went, huh, well, this tastes like the plant smells. Yeah. I'm in. I got, that's all. That's it. Yeah. We're all in now. And uh, they didn't make equipment at the time that could process fresh frozen. So we, you know, we, we dove in, me and my partner and, started building equipment that we could use to make it. Yeah. Um, didn't follow a lot of the traditional methodologies and how to create products and ended up, you know, uh, being some of the first in the country to, to, to separate THC from, you know, terpenes and 
um, reformulate things back into better products. Um, and, you know, right out the gate, started winning cannabis cups. Um, you know, I think we're the only one that for one for THC isolates. The, the first cup we entered, we, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, we create a separation and of the pile of diamonds on, on one side over here and then have these little jars of, you know, HTE on the other side. And the HTE was what we were after. We wanted the flavor and the taste and that plant profile. And we thought, well, what a problem because we have so much more diamonds over here than we have HTE on this side. No one's ever going to want these diamonds. And we put some in the cannabis cup just because it looked pretty. Yeah. We got third place. And then the whole high team's crew came over after. We're like, what is this? <laughs> this is crazy. Like, here's our cards. If you need help, call us. This is amazing. Yeah. You know, good work. And we went, huh. And we sold right out. Like, boom, everything's gone. Yeah. Then, you know, next cup came. You know, in the Michigan, there was a Midwest and a Michigan cup. So a few months later, we're like, well, put one in each category. And third, third, second. You know, oh, shoot. You're onto something. You know? Yeah. Forward, you know, the next cup was first, 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 first. We went, okay, well, we should probably, we should probably quit our day jobs and focus <laughs> on this completely. And uh, we love it. I mean, it, you know, from day one, it's always been about how do we make the highest quality products in a transparent way? Mm -hmm. Trust some of the other guys in the industry that were doing it. We want clean, safe products for the consumers. I mean, from day one, there wasn't a product we sold that didn't have a terpene report on it. Didn't talk about residual solvents. Didn't have all the cannabinoids available packaged on the label. Um, you know, that's always been a focus for Element. And for us, uh, we're kind of sewers of the, of the plant. Um, that's, I think, how we've, you know, maintained consistency across the board. There's barely a product that goes out of here. Probably not a single product at all that I haven't personally smelled or tasted or looked at or consumed as well as, the, you know, all the other owners in here hands-on touching products every day wow so did you did you have a playbook to get you to this or were you kind of making it up as you go you know because you've got the whole you've got the growing side but also you mentioned earlier you know you've got to have equipment you've got to have you know the right stuff and some of that is um you know new to the to the space and there's innovation going on there so what did, what did you do did you kind of create a hybrid playbook yourself did you go off of you know stuff that other people had done and uh, just kind of curious what your recipe was well, to get there. So the the playbook that uh, once so then you know we got licensed. We were the first licensed processors at scale in Michigan. Um, you know we bootstrapped that ourselves and didn't want to answer to other people. Having just quit a Fortune 50 company, I was very familiar with what it was like to work for people yeah. uh, who really didn't even have a stake in the game or care either, and that wasn't something I was looking to sign up for. Uh -huh. So uh, we started small. Um, you know, made some good deals, but also we're really focused on, you know, what we did steal from Pepsi was we knew that we needed a portfolio, just live resin wasn't going to be enough. So we started a medical brand called Rise and an edible brand called Dream because um, we wanted to make sure that when we went to market, we could, you know, elements of high-end concentrate brand. It's not for every shop isn't going to sell, you know, high-end concentrate mm. or at least in volume, but we wanted other offerings as well to accompany those. And we also are passionate about, you know, doing RSO and making, you know, individual cannabinoid tablets and some of the products, other products we make that are successful. Um, so having a, uh, a plan and strategy to bring a portfolio to market instead of just one brand was, was really, I think what helped us and helps us during, you know, times where the market moves up and down. We're not a one trick pony. We have several other things that we use that, you know, um, do well at all different times of the year. 
Oh, that's that's great. Um, so do you think that, uh, and by the way, where did the name come from, Lion Labs? Um, I, you know, I don't know. We like lions. Uh, you know, there really wasn't a whole, there's there no great backstory. Um, you know, lion's a cool animal. Yeah. Logo liked, uh, you know. There, there, are you a Detroit Lions fan? Uh, unfortunately, uh, we are mostly Detroit Lions fans here. Yeah. Which is well, that's fun to watch this year. Yeah. Sure. We're also, you know, we like to win here. Yeah. Which the Lions haven't ever done. So, you know, it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I, I think that's pretty awesome. So what is, um, what's kind of the state of the state in Michigan right now? Because I look at that state from, you know, my perspective down here in Denver, and it seems like Michigan is a pretty enthusiastic state and has been you know like they didn't go kicking and screaming into you know legalization and medical and stuff like that so it seems like a pretty i don't know enthusiastic type market um what, what's your kind of take on how it's going there just from a business standpoint you know legislation you know so uh, that kind of stuff so michigan's a uh you know uh unique market uh we started in 08 with a medical platform that allowed for a caregiver patient um, relationship and that lasted, um, you know, for about 10, 12 years. Um, it, it was it was similar to California, um, but not to the point where anyone was going crazy and building six-story grows and tons of marketing and advertising. We didn't have, uh, you know, a lot of pressure from local municipalities to come and raid us and, and blow the doors off, but there was enough pressure that no one really felt confident just going crazy so what ended up happening is you had a lot of people that really focused on making unique high quality products so michigan's great from that aspect of it has a large consumer base of highly educated consumers which favor brands like element where we have a a kind of sewer higher-end concentrate brand mm -hmm. that a lot of people appreciate um and so there's a lot of other similar brands with rosin and live resins and high quality flour and high quality edibles that the consumers here appreciate and like where a new market that just went from zero to a hundred with full legalization will probably take a while to mature into appreciating. Um, now, Michigan is going through a, a growing pain of being a purplish state uh, where we are a free market cannabis. There's no cap on anything. Oh. And and right now, there was an oversupply last year from outdoor, and we doubled the number of plants in the ground this year. And mm. right now, we're starting to see that flush out. We're going to start seeing, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the, uh, I think, um, retailers are going to consolidate, and processors and growers are going to start falling by the wayside. Uh, they're racing to the bottom for no good reason across the board. A lot of it's just, I think, an attempt to grab any capital they can on the way out mm -hmm. you're seeing people selling live resin for five six seven dollars a gram wholesale uh pounds of flour being thrown you know thrown around for two or three four hundred bucks right now so it, it's getting ugly on the low end yeah feeling pressure just to drop prices to drive consumers into the stores um so you know it's going to be a rough next couple of years as uh, the market stabilizes yeah, and, and uh, we're seeing this not just in Michigan, but we're seeing this in other states as well, right, where, you know, depending on how it was set up, and it's it's interesting because, you know, all the states are different. None of them, we were talking about playbooks earlier, none of them actually, you know, follow a specific playbook, and it seems like, uh, 
yeah, the, the, a lot of states are kind of going through this, especially where it was, like you said, free market. And, um, you know, I mean, the whole industry as a whole is probably going through some stuff right now. I think everybody is, you know, the economy and, you know, it's just kind of a little belt tightening. And it just seems to me that it's more important uh, for businesses now to have executional skills and to have real, you know, business acumen like you have to be able to make it as well as put out great products, you know, as opposed to just, you know, it was like everybody was rushing in because we love cannabis. You got to really be a business person and you've got to run a good business uh, to make it nowadays. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. You know, I, I would do panels and people would ask that all the time. Say, hey, Ryan, what do you think? We got all these people out in the, in the audience that want to get in the industry. What do you, what's your advice? And my advice always was don't, <laughs> you know, why would you be successful just because you like weed? I like race cars and spaceships. I'm not trying to build a spaceship or a race car, right? Like if you're not, if you don't have a degree in cultivation or botany, or you don't have a, a ton of retail experience, or you, you don't have, a, you know, PhDs and chemists on your team that understand or at least have a lot of experience processing and extracting and then also know how to market and sell it smartly yeah you're not it's just not going to happen if it does it'll be for a short window until people that understand it a little bit better you know nudge you out i think a lot of people get into it and they just think like it's weed it'll sell itself mm -hmm. you know, they just like yeah man it's 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 a piece of cake man you just grow good stuff and it'll sell itself and it's not it's not quite that simple no, we heard a lot of the same from the same people and they all are, you know, um, you know, what, what I don't hate seeing, to be honest, is mm -hmm. a lot of my friends that came up, the, you know, kind of the older guys that have been in the industry doing it for a long time that made it through the gray market. They're the ones that are still doing well. They're the ones that didn't spend $40 million on a grow that has no chance to recoup itself. And, you know, those are the guys that are still here. And those are the guys that were scrappy and could do it back in the day that are going to be the ones fighting and you know, that'll be here tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick break right now. we got to pay the bills. So we're going to take a quick sponsor break and then we'll be right back. And I want to talk to you about, uh, I want to talk to you about pre-rolls. I want to talk to you about the, uh, the awards you won. I believe it was for the, the live resin pool. Yeah. At the, at the, uh, at the uh, Michigan cannabis cup and also talk to you about perps and you know, what, what kind of everybody seems to really be into and the hottest thing right now is just what you said, you know, the, the, it smells like and tastes like the actual plant. And it seems like we've come full circle, you know, that this is what people are, are wanting. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. We are here with Ryan Ratzlaff of Lion Labs Limited. And uh, we're talking a uh, little cannabis tech. And we'll be right back after this break. Every cultivator knows that facility design can make or break your grow. So why not choose the team with over 16 years of experience in the industry? Cerna Cultivation Technologies provides floor plan and architectural services, comprehensive HVACD equipment, lighting, and benching, and so much more, all within your budget. It's time to grow your way. Go to Cerna.com, that's S-U-R-N-A.com, to learn more. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cannabis Tech Talks. You are chopping it up with Chuck. We're here with Ryan Ratzloff of Lion Labs. And um, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, infused pre-rolls, terpenes and things like that. That's that's what people want now, isn't it? Is that is that kind of become, you know, the fire category where people want that, the smell, the taste, the terps, you know, the whole full meal deal? Uh, is that is that where we're going? Is that yeah, we're going? that's what we're seeing. That's where we're going for sure. You know, something fundamental for Element as a brand has always been to deliver uh, a high terpene concentrate that's true to the strain. 
um, you know, and consistently high quality. Uh, you know, to be honest, one of the reasons we jumped into infused pre-rolls was we knew the, the market was underserved in that category. Mm-hmm. And no one, in our opinion, was doing a good job. You know, if you ask 100 people about pre-rolls, almost every one of them is going to say they're terrible. Yeah. So, you know, it was a little bit of vanity to say we can make what we think is going to be the best pre-roll ever. But we're, you know, snobby about quality. Yeah. And uh, we love live resin and think that, you know, live resin terps are some of the best expression of the plant. So we jumped in the lab and spent months and months trying to develop what we think is the best pre-roll ever. And to get there, we infused a half a gram of live resin with a half gram of premium flour. So we never used shaker, shim, uh, shaker trim, just premium flour and premium live resin from the same batch of flour typically. So what we want to do, and we don't grow for ourselves. We only cherry pick the best strains from the best growers around Michigan. And what this does as a product is allows the grower to really highlight their favorite and their best cut that they're the most proud of. Mm-hmm. And what we think is the best representation of that. So you're getting some of the best flour that they put out and we've infused it with live resin from that same cut in most situations. And what, what you end up with is a, um, a, a one gram pre-roll yeah. that tests between 40 and 50% with terpenes between four and 8%. So in most cases, that pre-roll is literally soaked through the papers with terpenes. Additionally, they're, they're tricky to light. You kind of have to light it like a candle. Uh-huh. And after a few seconds, it'll start to burn. These burn for about 30 to 40 minutes. And it's not much bigger than a dog walker because that condensed flour with the live resin, you know, uh, packs in there um, in a, a small package. But they burn amazing. They taste amazing. Even for me, um, I might put it down once or twice. Yeah. The second, third time I pick it up, it tastes just as good. Wow. Terpenes are, are still there. It's not like putting out a, a joint and relighting it where you're going to get that kind of, you know, butt flavor to it. It's, yeah. it's there the whole time and we can't make them fast enough. Um, the infusion process is painstaking. This isn't a really easy thing to do. It's definitely difficult. We're not squirting a needle, a distillate or, you know, HTE into a pre-made joint. That wouldn't quite get it done. Yeah, um, It's quite a process in our our team really worked to develop uh, uh, pretty laborious in post-processing, but um, using some of the STM equipment and pre-rolls, we've, we've you know, developed a way to scale it and um, get it to the masses. Yeah, yeah. And for the people that are, that are listening right now, what's the difference between rosin and, and resin? So a rosin product is a mechanical extraction. Okay. You're knocking off the crystals or trichomes off the plant using uh, water or ice in most cases, collecting them in a sieve, drying them, and then pressing them with heat. Um, you know, a live resin product is made using hydrocarbons uh, that wash the trichomes off chemically. Um, and you remove the chemicals, and what's left is, you know, the same terpene and concentrate. So you can get to the same place two different ways. Uh, they each have, you know, um, typically rosin um, isn't as versatile, terpene content isn't typically as high, but on some strains, it really makes the, the plant shine, um, you know, in a, in a really true way. And a lot of other ways, live resin uh, brings out the best in a plant too. We, 
you know, tend to lean a little more towards live resin. Mm -hmm. um, but as, as cultivators uh, continue to push for rosin, which is a trend, we're seeing more and more strains come online that are um, working well for rosin products too. Live resin. That's a, that's a cool name. Like you're a, you're a smart marketing guy, right? You know what I mean? People say, I don't want to get that live resin. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just, it rolls off the tongue. It sounds like a superior uh, experience, you know, just from the average consumer, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Now you are seeing it put into, now people are putting it in everything, right? Yeah. Um, Chiba so, Chews has a line of them. Yep. Um, got to try some. Um, yeah. That, that's the thing. I think uh, Wana, um, they're actually uh, packs. They're making the the vapes now with the, I mean, so you're starting to see it in everything and it's, it's, it's like the new rave, you know, it's the boom, all of our new products have this because I guess that's what the people want. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it, and it's one of those things too, right? Um, cannabis marketing is a tricky one because yeah. some people put a drop of live resin in the product and go live resin and other products like ours are made 100% from live resin. And when you try them side by side, there's really no difference. And uh, a real a real consumer connoisseur can tell right off the bat which one's which. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it is a better product. I think everyone using live resins and rosins is is getting uh, the, the farther away from distillate we can get, the better. Yeah. Better. yeah. And I think that on the edible side, I, I enjoy an edible from time to time. That's kind of my my go to. Uh, it was like in the beginning, you didn't want it to taste anything like weed. Right. And now you, you, you taste them and it's like chewing on some weed, you know, now that they've got that there. So that's kind of come full circle as well, uh, even on the edible side. Yeah. Yeah. We're seeing that, too. It's becoming a thing in Michigan. Uh, we have a large edible brand. We just rolled out actually a, a product called Pot Dots, which is a candy coated chocolate um, and one milligram a piece. And we're you know looking at doing um, some rosin or live resin uh, variances on that as well. Is that is that tricky making chocolate? Um, we have some really great equipment um, okay. and a really great team, so that part's easy. Getting a candy coated shell, so you and a one milligram unit serving is actually yeah. incredibly difficult. Yeah, um, and we're constantly fine tuning and working on that. Um, the chocolate in general, not a big deal. Uh, making it look like. Uh, one of the most popular candies in America that doesn't melt in your hands is tricky. Right. That's funny. Um, so, uh, so, okay. So let me ask you this then pre-rolls as a category um, from what I've read are, I think the number two seller in cannabis in the U S I think it goes like flour and then pre-rolls yeah. um, maybe not quite as much in Canada for, for some reason. I don't know that that's a whole other thing up there, but um, yeah, pre-rolls, what are some of the challenges uh, because I think that people do like pre-rolls. I mean, you know, that I know in my circles and they go in and, you know, maybe they get some edibles, you know, maybe they get a bait, they always get a pre-roll. What are some of the challenges with producing pre-rolls? Because uh, it's easy to buy, it's easy to smoke, you don't got to roll it or anything like that. But I have a feeling there's a little bit of work uh, that goes into putting them out and having a consistent uh, 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 experience, you know, for the people that buy the pre-rolls. Yeah, so a, a couple of the biggest issues with pre-rolls across the board are the retail stores aren't giving them the space they deserve. Mm -hmm. You mentioned it's the number two category. Um, you know, the re our, my retail background is something that we, we leverage with a lot of our retail partners to help bring them up to speed on what they should be doing at retail. If that's your number two category, it should be the number two thing in your store you're giving space to. Flowers should be number one. In mm -hmm. Michigan, pre-rolls represent about 22% of the, the entire take-home category for units purchased. 
Yeah. So you have, you know, 20% of your store, if you're doing space to sales, dedicate to pre-rolls um, so that consumers can shop in a way that they're familiar or comfortable with things being represented like they would be in a traditional store. So first of all, they're underutilized and not communicated well at retail. Uh, that's the main issue. Um, secondarily, a lot of products in the pre-roll category are made from uh, poor, poor quality trim. Yeah. Um, they've been, they're using uh, just kind of just whatever they can stuff in there. And yeah. it's usually waste, bad material. Uh, things. Yeah. A lot of times <laughs> you probably would see that on the lower end. Uh, the equipment they're using to manufacture the pre-rolls is cheap and inconsistent. So that goes right to the final product. And the consumer has a bad experience. It's canoeing. It's burning out. It's too tight. I don't like this. There's only three to four bucks. You do get what you pay for to a certain degree, but enough people have that bad experience. Even if they were giving it to them for free, they remember that. And now they have a bad connotation with the pre-roll done poorly. And that was an issue for us as well, overcoming that, right? So um, I, I still think pre-rolls in general have a way to go. It was critical for us to get it done right. You know, we tried a lot of different papers. Mm -hmm. uh, we tried a lot of different, we bought a lot of machines. Uh, we, we brought a pre-roll machine, one of the more popular ones that bounces up and down, and it literally caught on fire in the lab, wow. um, which was a deal breaker for us. It didn't work that well anyway. Yeah. But but a catching on fire was a problem. That's it. And, and then it, it wouldn't give us a good for you. That's it. Like, just we're done. <laughs> yeah, it was it for us, especially they wouldn't even replace it. It caught fire. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not going to throw you to the bus. But uh, maybe maybe we should have. I don't know. I'm under the bus. Let's go. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. So so uh, so you you talked about the um, you guys have the uh, the Rocket Box Mini. Yeah, we use a Rocket Box Mini. Yeah. Um, and we you know that was recommended from a couple of our buddies. Uh, when we decided okay. that we wanted to get into it. Uh, you know, we have a, we work with a lot of great cultivators in Michigan, um, and we tour their facilities constantly, looking for all the all the newest strains and newest cuts out there. I mean, like to get hands-on before we decide to run any of it. Uh, so they were more than happy to show us all the different pre-roll machines out there. Um, some big giant units that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then, yeah. you know, just a you know, little uh, cheap future rolls as well. Mm -hmm. um, and what uh, kept coming out was we would see, you know, a bunch of white machines and storage on a wall. And then people were using uh, the rocket boxes and it became, you know, across the board, try these. And so uh, we did. And um, there's a little bit different tech on those that allowed um, our product to work. And we were, the, the, their team worked really well with us to develop. Mm -hmm. we, have, we have a custom size cone. We eventually moved to a, a new custom cone that we got through um, STM. But um, because of the unique product that we put into that paper, uh, our filling process is different. And it's uh -huh. longer and it's a little more complicated and it's a little more nuanced because all of the flowers infused a specific way. So uh, for the element product, it, it, it's a it's a tricky product to do. And so far, the STM Rocket Box is the only one that's worked. And um, you know, we've we've paired that with a grinder as well as um, the new Atomic Closer. Yeah, the Atomic Closer was a, a huge win. Um, closing really? closing the pre rolls for us. Um, was a job for like eight or nine people. And now, now we have about five people 
managing two rocket box minis and an atomic closer that can do about eight to 10,000 infused pre-rolls a day. Wow. And we know that our runtime is a little bit longer than yeah. typical, but we're making a really untypical product here. Yeah, an award-winning product. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, we partnered with uh, one of our, our close friends, ProGrow. Uh, we won uh, our first place infused pre-roll with their Lunar Lemon, which we'll be reintroducing here in the next month or so. Um, we also won live resin first place with that Lunar Lemon. That was just an amazing cut that should probably win every category it's I'm, in. I'm drooling just listening to you describe yeah. it. It sounds Lemon amazing. On the front and flora on the back. It's, it's really, really great. Uh, so, you know, hats off to them for, you know, supplying the flower. Um, but really we, you know, we wouldn't have been able to make it without, you know, uh, hardware that gets us there. And if we yeah. can't scale it, then, you know, we might as well just roll it by hand and have it for personal use. Yeah. And, and I think it's important too, when you talk about, you know, uh, we were talking about how you have to have business acumen and you have to have, you know, good, good equipment and everything like that. It seems like a lot of times in the cannabis industry, people want to, uh, not all, but a lot of companies just always want to go with the cheapest option or they want to go with, you know, spend the least amount of money on this or, you know, not even worry about this and, and stuff like that. But I kind of feel like, you know, being somewhere in the middle, like, like the STM products are, you know, made in the USA. Um, you know, it's like food grade and quality steel, you know, it's the company stands behind their products. It's, it's a nice balance between, you know, like you said, the hundred thousand, you know, dollar machines, the little cheap knock boxes. It's nice to have something kind of in the middle where you feel like it, it represents the quality of the products you want to make. Yeah. Look, like we, we tell all our suppliers straight up, we have no loyalty to you. We don't care. Yeah. If somebody makes something that works better and they're easier to work with, we're going to drop you. Yeah, and we're going to go with them, and we tell we them that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's for carts, that's for equipment, that's for processing equipment, lab equipment, packaging and kitchen equipment. We only want to work with the best stuff. Mm -hmm. We don't want to overpay for it, and we expect to have good service. Um, we weren't getting that before. We got that, you know, for sure. Um, you know, we, well, you know, same with our pre-roll supply. We had a company that fired someone in the middle of a transaction, and we were just, you know, left waiting for an order, waiting for an order, following up, nothing ever came, never heard back, couldn't get a hold of anyone. And we're, you know, we're trying to grow our business. We're missing yeah. sales every day that we don't have this product. So having good customer support, both on the hardware and on, you know, the consumable side uh, makes all the difference for us. I mean, it, it really, um, you know, it, it's worth, even if it was a little bit more or not even competitively priced, knowing that you're not going to miss sales in the future is invaluable. Yeah, you know, a yeah. lot of decisions here as a company to mitigate downtime. Mm -hmm. We know use big, powerful chillers. We'd rather use liquid CO two because I'm not going to run out. It's not going to break. Yeah, uh, you know I can't wait 20 weeks for a chiller to come in. I'd be out of market. I'd be over. So that's, and that's a that's a big thing right now and has been for the past year, right? Supply chain, uh, you know, relying on things, especially if if it's coming from overseas. You know, yeah. I understand that that creates issues. And again, if you can't fulfill orders, you know, you're just missing out on money and it, and, it, and it all rolls downhill. You know, it's like dominoes. And so the whole industry as a whole, it seems like um, your customer service is really, really super important and your communication, but also your supply chain. You know, you need to be working with people that you can count on and, and the more that they can keep, you know, the processes and stuff in-house and, and have control of that and not have to necessarily go overseas, I think is probably an advantage. Yeah, that, that's a big thing for us. Um, it's, it's really critical that we can get things when we need them. 
with short turnaround times and suppliers that are consistent and reliable, um, especially on the heavy volume consumable stuffs like pre-rolls and cartridges. Without that, you know, we'll, we'll just keep dropping people until we find people that understand our business and understand us in a, and respect and appreciate us as suppliers. Um, you know, we're not looking for the, the, the cheapest price and the cheapest stuff. We want the best quality product for our consumers. Mm-hmm. We don't want to overpay for it, but we got to have good customer service to make sure that we have a reliable supplier as well. I mean, those are all equally important to us. We have to have good quality. It has to be consistent. But I also don't want to deal with jerks who are screwing us around. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that's uh, a pretty reasonable take on it. So, um, so what's what's next? You know, for for Lion Labs, is there anything uh, you got that you're excited about? Maybe coming down the, uh, you know, coming coming down the line here. Uh, are you guys gonna be at any big shows coming up? You going to MJ Biz? What's uh? Yeah, we're gonna have a team out of MJ BizCon. We're not gonna be. Uh, we just did MJ Impact last week. Okay. That was a great, big success. You know, for us, we're looking to uh, get our brands out of, out, of, out of state. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to expand into the the new markets, um, bring our portfolio into the states that it makes sense. We know that we have some real strong winners. We're leading in most categories that we're competing in in Michigan, which is a, a really difficult, tight market here. Yeah, and We're not doing it with cheap prices. We're still on the higher end for most things that we sell. Um, from the product position, uh, we've been slower getting rosin out. We didn't really, when we came out with rosin for Element, we didn't want to just do what everyone else is doing. So we're looking for a little more nuanced way to bring a rosin cart to market. A lot of the products that we were tasting in the market uh, tasted burnt. They all taste like rosin. The plant wasn't really singing. Um, mm-hmm. Being a live resin where it wasn't too differentiated. So we spent a lot of time in the lab. I mean, granted, like when we started doing this in 08, we've been making, you know, hash for 10 years before live resin even became a thing, right? Yeah. So <laughs> we're, we're experienced in washing plants. This wasn't a new thing for us, but we wanted to be unique and different. And we saw how everybody else was uh, formulating their oils. Um, so we, we definitely took a different twist on it and feel really confident in the next couple of weeks, we put our rosin carts out that they're gonna do really well. Um, once we can, you know, we, we have some new equipment coming in from STM that's really gonna help us um, expand on our pre-roll function. Um, some of the dog walker function um, pieces came in. That's going to be huge for us. Uh, we are also launching a, a lower end pre-roll brand called Loco. Um, we've been pulsing them out the market a little bit. It's a, it's our lower end brand. It's a, you know, diamond infused flavored pre-roll uh, that'll be in like the 40% range. They're a value product. They're terpene enhanced. There's another big brand out there doing something similar. These will be stronger and about a third of the price. Um, so we just got that equipment in here that's really going to help that move to the next level. And then we'll, you know, we'll end up with a um, a bubble hash or a rosin um, pre-roll as well that we'll be excited to put out. You know, that's uh, being R&D shortly. Well, that's cool, man. I mean, you I'm sure our listeners just learned a ton. I know I did. Uh, but you guys are really doing it the right way. And I think that, you know, you're speaking of diamonds. You dropped a lot of diamonds in this podcast here, you know, so people can learn uh, from somebody that loves what they're doing, is doing it the right way, is winning awards and, you know, is looking to to grow and expand. And it just seems like a like a really cool story and the kind of story that we like to tell here because, um, yeah, you know, it's a, you know, the industry's tough out there, but there's still a lot of optimism. You know, I um, what did you think about uh, what you heard yesterday? You know, I think that was probably the first time that a, a uh, U.S. president spoke 
favorably of cannabis and i just can't help but think that you know even though it was a long time coming and you know we wanted this to happen early i felt like that was a big freaking deal yeah it was and i heard yeah i got a lot of texts and phone calls from family and friends that you know were excited about it i think it's really great obviously mm -hmm. we want to see things being you know we, we don't want anyone in jail for this it's silly yeah. um you know so banking if they want to work on banking and we'd all really appreciate it here it really restricts what we can do as far as getting access to capital and uh you know the taxes are insane for most of us so yeah you know, hopefully that's the next step is you know whether that's decriminalizing it to a certain degree or reclassifying it or or what it's going to be we, we need some of that relief here to be successful businesses every state and every municipality is dealing with their own weird tax bs that they're doing so yeah um, you know, the the only the only big risk for a major federal legalization is the tax that could potentially come with it. Um, but these are all positive steps, I think, uh, to yeah. you know letting people out of jail if they're there, uh, decriminalizing things to a lot of extents. There are obviously are some medicinal benefits to cannabis, and it should be hundred you know, percent on a schedule or two, or you know, yeah. all the way off. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a veteran, you know, I'm a big advocate for, you know, cannabis being an, an option for veterans, as opposed to a lot of the pharmaceuticals they get from the VA. And again, hopefully this can, you know, move us down the path of opening up more doors, uh, you know, for more access and people don't have to worry about, you know, losing their benefits or, you know, their jobs for, for cannabis or anything like that. So yeah, it seemed like it seemed like a really big deal. And I think that, uh, you know, hopefully that'll put a little wind beneath the wings of the industry, you know, as, as we kind of, you know, regroup, because I, I feel like the industry felt bulletproof during uh, COVID. It was like, we're essential. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, we come out on the other end, it's like, inflation, supply chain, you know, like taxes. And, you know, people are like, Ugh. like it's, you know, it hasn't been all rainbows and puppy dogs, you know, there's, there's been some hiccups, but I, I do think that that was a pretty positive thing that hopefully, uh, you know, can, can give the industry a little momentum. Yeah, right. Momentum is exactly that. Hopefully we see a domino effect and we see, you know, both sides publicizing, you know, legalization and decriminalization and declassification and, you know, right to banking and everything else like it like it should be. I mean, it's, you know, the only reason I think we're in the circumstances we are is because other people have money to be made in pharmaceuticals and prisons and yeah. you know, alcohol. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah, no, I mean, if you think about it, the only way anything gets done in our government is, you know, money. Money makes everything happen. And those lobbies for the industries you just talked about have so much money and so much influence. Whereas cannabis, even though it's a cool thing, people want to do it. It's good for everybody. It's good for the economy. I mean, the list goes on and on. They don't have the lobbying power in, in D.C., you know, that... Uh, uh, big pharma does or you know big oil or even big tobacco so it, it seems like you know um um it's definitely a step in the right direction but you know uh how fast this happens or you know how quickly you know this change you know who knows our government is 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 seems like a little bit slow and and dysfunctional to say the least but when do you think we'll see uh if you just had to guess if you had a crystal ball ryan when do you think we would see uh, uh legalization or descheduling happen I think descheduling has the biggest chance of happening because okay. as politically tied to um, as a complete federal legalization. I mean, you know, even with complete federal legalization, I don't think people really have an understanding of how that's going to look. Uh -huh. you know, my opinion on that is it's going to look a lot like alcohol does. 
and the states that have spent a ton of money building an infrastructure. I think there's six or 700 government employees just in Michigan helping regulate the industry. It would be silly for a state to say, okay, go nuts and let all the weed just flow in across open borders willy nilly, you know, forget about taxes and oversight yeah. and regulation. Like, that's not really what should happen either. Right. Um, and you look at like alcohol and there's state tax, there's regulation. You know, you can't sell certain products in certain areas. There needs to be, it'll be a long process. Um, you know, should you be able to drink and smoke anywhere doing whatever you want? Yeah, sure, fine. Um, but, you know, how it's manufactured and sold and taxed will be something that states will be protective about, I think. And, yeah. we'll see that, you know, change state to state and it'll be constantly evolving. Um, and it'll probably be a slow, long process. If it were to happen, I'm I'm not optimistic about it personally. Only the big MSOs are the ones yeah. talking about it, really wanting it to happen. The rest of us, you know, are a little a little scared about it. I think that you'd have these Fortune 100 companies come in and lose three, four, five billion a year just to make a name for themselves, knowing that, that market share. Yeah, yeah. They've got those deep pockets and, and, you know, they, they'll still have those connections, you know, in, in politics and, you know, they can grease the palms and everything like that. But um, no, it's, it's just been a pleasure to speak with you. Where can um, the people listening or the people uh, that are uh, uh, tuned into the podcast, where can they find out more about Ryan Labs or even get in touch with you if they uh, uh, wanted to? Yeah. So you can uh, go to our website, um, lionlabsmi.com. And that'll direct you to all of our social media. You can find us at elementextractions.com or on Instagram at elementextractions, um, eat pot dots, um, uh, rise meds. Uh, <laughs> so uh, any of those places will direct you to our Instagram, um, our Facebook pages, our websites, et cetera. Um, and you can reach out to me directly through the Lion Labs website. And, you know, I'm happy to, uh, you know, we, we're very open. We talk to everyone about anything. Uh, Education is really big for us. So, you know, we, we, we love sharing our knowledge. Um, we know we're actually doing a big research. We, we funded LSSU's cannabis research program um, at a university that has a DEA um, license up north in Michigan, where we're doing research and we're open sourcing that for the whole community as soon as we have things to publish. So we have lots to share and are happy to talk to anyone that's passionate about the plant. So by all yeah. means, you know, get a hold of us and, you know. You went to Western Michigan, right? I did. Do they have a uh, cannabis program there now or do they? Uh, uh, they don't. Yeah, they should. They, they should, should man. You, you a statue there or something like a plaque or, you know. At the least. At the very least. Something. Statue sounds good. Yeah, yeah, I can statue, man. Not everybody gets a statue. That'd be great too. <laughs> I want to say, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, and for everybody that is listening right now, we really appreciate you. Uh, this has been another episode of Cannabis Tech Talks brought to you by PolyScience. And a quick shout out, if you're going to be at MJ BizCon, make sure you swing by. We are going to be recording some podcasts um, at our friend PolyScience and Summit Research's booth. That's 2417 
Um, so stop by and don't forget, we're going to have our magazines all over there. We're doing a really wonka golden ticket giveaway. So there's going to be lots of prizes that'll be hidden in the magazines. So we hope to see everybody at uh, MJ Biz. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this, go ahead and hit the like button, uh, share, and then make sure that you subscribe because uh, it's easy to get this great content every week. Again, thank you so much. I'm Charles Warner. Thanks again to Ryan Ratzloff, Ryan Labs. I can't wait to try your shit. It sounds amazing. And uh, we appreciate you for tuning in. Thanks for having me. Hey, hello, I'm Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong. Wait, you didn't think people would know who I am? Durachill. Uh, this is Durachill. This is Durachill. This is Durachill. No, hey, I don't talk like that. You want me to sell this? Buy it. Try Durachill or else. If you want something really nice in your laboratory, buy Durachill, you can't go wrong.